Hey folks, welcome to another edition of WPOV Quarantine, the show where we get on a bunch of people, we talk some subjects, and uh, hopefully we learn something. This week I'd like to uh, welcome back uh, the Lone Wolf Andy Anderson, a frequent contributor, and another frequent contributor, uh, Raven Lake. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. And new on the panel this week, uh, all the way down from New Zealand right now at the moment, the head trainer at the Dolly Fo- uh, the Fale Dojo. Man, look at me getting all messed up. We're talking Tony Kazina. <laughs> Tony, how you doing, buddy? We're good out here at the Dolly Fojo. The Dolly Fojo. I've got to say, like, very Asian. You might get away with it. I don't know. And uh, all the way from Central Canada, we have AJ Sanchez. AJ, welcome aboard. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. My wife just went woo in the background. Uh, All right. A big fan of mine. Big fan. (laughs) The only fan. The only fan in Western. Wow. (laughs) Tell where you can get it. (laughs) Anyways, guys, this week's topic is an interesting one, and I'm really glad about the panel we have on because these are people who are very high on the idea of training and the concept of training schools. And so these four guests here all have contributions in certain ways and insight on this. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about training schools in wrestling. We're going to talk about the importance of them. We're going to talk about what they're like. Maybe we'll even talk a bit about what they used to be like in the old days, what that looked like. And why is it dangerous or wrong not to, have, to, to compete with guys who have no training in uh, wrestling schools? So first of all, uh, so this is Zoom, so everyone can see it. Let's see a, a show of hands with my four wrestlers here. Who has trained formally at a training school? I know it's a dumber question, but I'm sure I want every fan to see it. Okay. It it Who cool. thinks that it's not you guys, eh? Who thinks it's valuable in this day and age to be properly trained by wrestlers? Properly trained? Properly trained. Okay. Yeah. Now... First of all, I'm going to ask, uh, let's see, I'll ask Tony and Andy about this. You've dealt with wrestlers in the past. What was it like? Because right now, you can go anywhere to any city. There is like half a dozen wrestling schools. Who knows whether they're good or bad, but they're everywhere. This wasn't the case 20, 30 years ago. Wrestling schools weren't really a thing. So how did a wrestler become a wrestler if there wasn't training schools? Andy, you didn't put your hand up as a wrestling school. Right. How did you get your training and how did that start? Uh, my training went through a particular individual, through mm-hmm. Vance, Nevada, through, the, I don't know, AJ knows, I'm sure Tony knows, uh, Raven knows. Um, for me going to break in, when I was breaking in in the late 90s, there, there wasn't a lot around in uh, being in Edmonton. There wasn't a lot around. And, uh, you know, schools... I'm not sure how they are now, but back then they, they cost a lot of money. And, and part of that was because there wasn't a lot of them around. And, you know, you got to separate those who truly want to get in the business and, you know, those that think, oh, this might be cool or this is a joke or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was on the side that it was something I really wanted to pursue. I just unfortunately didn't really have the financial means to, to get into school. I spoke to Dean Malenko, who was running a school at the time. and. Uh, you know, moving to the U.S. and again, like I think even then it was uh, 1,500. I can't remember how if it was 1,500 every six months. Regardless, it was you know it was just something I, like I couldn't afford. Um, 
and I was just fortunate enough to be put in touch with Vance. And uh, I think it also helped that, you know, it was something that I truly wanted to make a go of. Um, I respected the business. I was very respectful towards everybody that uh, I got involved with kind of the, uh, you know, ears open, mouth shut kind of thing. And uh, fortunately for, for me and I guess for Vance, like he did a, you know, he, tr he trained a handful of people and fortunately worked out for me. Okay. Tony, when you started yeah. off wrestling, how did, how was your journey from training to wrestler? What was that like? Uh, well, it wasn't a wrestling school. I, I just got uh, in touch with Billy Jack Haynes and he, he worked with me and um, uh, I had to really kind of convince him to work with me. But after I worked with Billy for a few months, uh, just through luck, I got in with Matt Bourne and that's where I just got the shit beat out of me. But, uh, but it, it toughened me up because even Billy was like, they're going to try to take advantage of you. You know, those were territory wrestlers and that's how they thought. You know, you better watch it, kid. People are going to try to take advantage of you. I'm like, what? And so they taught me some hooks and, and how to shoot and protect myself. And, and uh, you know, even Jesse Barr a little bit, a few times I was in him, you know, it was just the most elementary thing. You know, the difference between a, a nerve hold and a hold that's on the joint. You better be able to recognize that straight away. And like, oh, what the hell am I getting myself into? But I needed to... Uh, so it wasn't a formal school. You just learned from, you know, old school pro wrestlers that were territory wrestlers. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, and that was in Portland, was, right, Tony? Yeah, and, and really, a lot of it, so, like, you're learning to bump and you're learning to run the ropes and uh, just some very elementary things. Okay, so when I, when I started, now I worked with Matt for a year, but he started me straight away uh, as a referee. He got me in the ring and he's like, All right, lock up with me. And then we lock up and then just, you know, improv because that's what it was even before I knew what it was. And he just fired me off the ropes and was like hip toss. And he just says it straight away and you had to just go into it. And, I'm, and he picks me up, throws me in the ropes, backdrop. And I was like, well, we're just, and he give me three things, uh, another one, something. And he goes, okay, and those, th those three things, and I'm like, I don't know how he's going to, what he's going to do next, or if I'm going to get the crap beat out of me or what, but I'm just going to do whatever. He just gave me those three things and goes, okay, got a referee shirt? I'm like, I can get one. He goes, okay, we'll start the Sunday as a referee. It'll be good for you. And so there's very, there's, you know, he had me run the ropes, take a couple bumps, give me a couple of, give me a couple of bumps to see that I had something, and. So there's not a sit down saying this is what we do this for and this is what this is about. I learned that refereeing, talking, because when I started with Sandy Barr, all those old timers there, Colonel De Beers, 20 years, 25 years experience, Richie Magnet, 20 years experience, you know, Buddy Wayne had been around for 10 years. Uh, so, you know, Michelle Starr would drop in now and again, and he was probably 10 years. So you learn by when I started wrestling, working with those guys. And they would walk you through it. They didn't so much sit you down and say, okay, we're going to practice this. Um, you learned on the job, which is, I, I got real lucky in that uh, aspect. 
so far uh, what we are seeing is uh, at this time, you know, uh, both these guys are, are veterans for, for multi-years. Uh, we're seeing at the time, there really isn't that concept of the school of thirst today. You're, of course, being taken under by veterans who start to develop you on the basics. And, yeah. But the basics is, is the important part here, right? I mean, you can't really start without the basics. Uh, AJ, tell me about your start in wrestling and your journey to becoming a wrestler. Yeah, mine was... Uh mine was not very good. So that's why I got into uh, learning how to teach uh, in the later years. Cause I didn't want people to uh, experience a start in wrestling, like the one I had. So I, uh, I had a friend who was um, a part of the local wrestling happening here weekly at Chalmers community center. Uh, I had attended some shows, uh, knew I had loved wrestling since I was young, reached out to a friend. He put me in touch with Bobby J and uh, uh, of TRCW top rope championship wrestling in 2002 and uh, he introduced me to Rob Stardom, who was the head trainer at the time. So I started at the age of 16, and uh, I literally trained for probably four weeks, a total of maybe, you know, 10 hours. And uh, by the time that happened, uh, Rob Stardom had left for another company, and I was a 16-year-old kid who had no idea what wrestling gear was or, or any of that stuff. Uh, I, they knew I was athletic. I could take some bumps and throw a side slam, and I was pretty much put in the ring then. Ooh, that, uh, that sounds a little intimidating. Uh, the first couple matches, how was that? I mean, awful, I'm sure. Like, uh, I had no idea what I was doing. I, I, and I often tell this story to, to the kids that I work out with now is that it took me probably five years to learn what I could have learned in the first year just based on, on poor training and, and poor teaching at the time. So it was uh, the matches. Uh, nobody got hurt, you know, thankfully. Um, and we got through them, but I can't imagine they were very good. Okay. Raven, describe your journey in. The girl who um, likes wrestling to becoming a wrestler. Yeah. Uh, when I first um, tried to get into training, I actually tried to get in with uh, Rocky De La Sera because um, he was the only one I knew at that time that was training. And he told me no to go and rethink the path in life that I really wanted to take. <laughs> um, and uh, so I was like, okay, I felt a little, you know, disheartened by that a little bit. And then um, I met Rick Marsh, who was around here for like all-star days back then. And he introduced me to Michelle Starr. And I started training with Starr in his backyard. <laughs> there was a ring set up in the backyard. And we did all of our training at that time. It was me and um, lover boy Johnny Canuck, uh, firefighter Adrian, like local guys from here. Buddy Wayne would pop in once in a while. And then um, Mark brought in Velvet McIntyre to help work with me and train me the rest of the way on the women's stuff. Okay. So obviously now, of course, we're talking about you guys, you know, AJ said, uh, you know, he was only not even really given the basics, which made it a lot harder for him to jump into his career later. That transition of becoming a better wrestler obviously had to take him a while longer because no one showed him the basics. You guys were taught the basics. So it gave you kind of a jump up. So today, how important is it, do you think, that there are training schools. First of all, the whole notion of a training school. Um, and, and I want to ask a question later. And I, I wanted to really, I, I couldn't find anybody. I tried my hardest to find a Lance Storm student because I was curious because he has kind of that hyper training system where it's like a couple of months and then they're all off and a lot of them get signed to places and become bigger names. So I was curious about what that was like. But 
obviously training is something really important nowadays. How important is it then? You guys are all telling me pretty much that you need for the basics. What is the, the bad part of not having the basics? Uh, Tony, you deal with some guy who has no training and wants to be in the wrestling mat. I mean, you obviously, in your years, you must have been in the ring against guys who had little to no training. Yeah. Is it a tough thing to deal with, and, and why? Uh, well, yeah, because, I mean, um, being that this is what it is, you have to work together, and, uh, like, uh, uh, when you realize that they can't even be spoon-fed, and I'll, you know, say to some of the guys that come to our school are independent wrestlers, and they come with these questions, especially now with the guys that have no idea what this is, I, you know, you have no choice, but to, and I, that's my thing. It's like, oh, I ain't got time for this shit. Hold on. We're just, you're going to go for a ride and, you know, boom, boom, boom. And we're finishing it because uh, I'm not going to risk injury and I'm not going to risk looking like a fool or anything. If, if you, because I do a lot of the, what Ricky Morton, Ricky Morton called them one night stands where you just end the promotion. I, you know, CWE has been my home promotion in Canada for a couple of years. Uh, but beyond that, I just wrestle wherever I can get books. So I go all over. And I, um, you never know who you're going to wrestle. So some places, the guys go in there and you're just like, oh, shit. And they can't work at all. It's like, try a few things. I mean, it's re- it doesn't take much to get injured. And so answer your question, that's what you run the risk of is, is injury. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that's very, most wrestlers will tell you it's a cooperative sport. I mean, you can't really do anything unless the other guy can do things too. And the the scary thought is putting your body and health in someone else's hands who may not even know the basics of what they're doing. Now, I don't want you guys to have to name any names. We're not that kind of show. But if we can come up with a story, if each of you think of somebody you went into into a ring, just describe a match that was very much terrible because the person had very poor or little training. Uh, Andy, can you think of a story where you were, you don't have to name anybody, but just uh, uh, think of a story where you, it, what was tough about it? What made it extremely hard? And how did that match go? Off the top of my head, I don't know that I can really say anything from my own personal experience. Then you've seen them. But, but I've seen, and, okay. and I think that's something, you know, that, that can be just as bad, just as frustrating, uh, albeit, I guess, a little bit safer because you're not actually in the ring um, with said individual. But I think as someone, you know, when you're, when you're bought up a certain way and you have a certain level of uh, respect and passion for the business and, and you care about, you know, yourself, you care about those in the ring, uh, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to to pick up when somebody doesn't know what they're doing. You know, yeah. if someone's someone says, "Oh, I've trained for pro, I've trained for hockey all my life. I'm gonna go play in the NHL," and you throw them on the throw them on the ice, you can tell pretty quickly that they don't belong. Mm-hmm. And um, with professional wrestling, kind of you know, as you alluded to, it's 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 cooperative. It's, it's a dance. And you know, if one of the dance partners doesn't know the moves, doesn't know, know what they're doing, then that's a, you know, that's a, a recipe for, for failure. And, and like Tony said, it's like injury. Okay. Excellent. I, I see we have joining the show right now, uh, Rudy boy Gonzalez. Welcome Rudy. We want to welcome you to the show today. 
How are you guys doing? Excellent. Now we're talking about training schools and we know you also have trained many wrestlers and I see some guys training in the back behind you. Uh, one of the questions I want to throw out to you right now, uh, as I've thrown out to the other guys, how important is it to be trained as a professional wrestler? Is this just something you can just go out and learn from a few friends or what's the importance of being trained by a credible trainer? Um, actually, I mean, that's like, um, for some reason, um, I'm going to sip outside real quick and get a set of headphones. But for some reason, um, guys just feel like they can just jump in the ring and do whatever. I just saw a video today of of uh, two guys giving a girl, I think it was some kind of suplex or something. And um, apparently they're, they're, they've been around for a while. They, they're, they're veterans. And um, timing was off. I don't know what it was, but um, they dropped the girl on her head and she – uh, sounds like she had a serious neck injury. I mean, she dropped, she fell on her neck. I mean, it was nasty. Mm. And, uh, you know, you see guys doing stuff like that. I mean, those are, and those apparently are seasoned veterans. I'm not knocking them or anything, but mm-hmm. accidents, you know, accidents do happen. And, uh, as a matter of fact, I mean, just this past weekend, Matt Hardy had a bad fall with, uh, Sammy Guevara at the AEW show. Yes. And, and those are seasoned veterans also. So imagine a couple of guys that really don't know what they're doing and just out there winging it and having a good time and stuff and the stuff that they do and someone gets hurt. The first thing someone's going to say is who trained you? Where did you learn to do that from? You know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, uh, yes. So, you know, pro wrestling is, it, it, it is what it is. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the guys that out there that will, I will tell you it's, it's make-believe, it's theater, it's all that stuff you want to call it, but it's also very real, you know? And um, so there's, there's very little room for error. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, you know, and, and, and then some, I mean, not all schools are the same. Some trainers let guys slide by. Some guys are like, like myself. Some guys are very particular in what they're, they're feeding through. And how they do it, and, and their footwork, and all stuff, and and those are the guys that you know, as a uh, up and coming um, talent or whatever you want to call it, uh, those are the guys you want to look for. The guys that are very detail oriented, um, footwork, cardio, you know, little things that normally people don't think about, but you know, and I say this all the time: the little things are actually the big things. Okay. Well, you know, one thing we've all uh, come to determine here through all of these different aspects is there is some basic building blocks that each person should be trained to start off anything. And I guess these basic small details are the things that keep you safe, that keep you uh, on track and keep you in cooperative. Now, I was asking about people who've been in the situations of being in with someone poorly trained, Someone where you were in the match, you're like, oh, my God, this guy doesn't know anything. Uh, AJ, have you come across that in, in your career where you've been in there and you're like, and I'm talking later. I know you had that rough start. But uh, in the last couple of years, have you been in there and you're like, holy smokes, this is terrible. And what exactly do you do in that sort of situation? Uh, yeah, I most definitely have. Um, and I don't mind I don't mind naming names uh, just uh, for a <laughs> giggles. But 
Um, I was, uh, there was a company called Gold Dragon Wrestling in Moose Jaw, Canada. And uh, there was, was a bunch of guys that upstarted and uh, had no real training, got a ring and, and started doing their thing. Uh, to their credit, they started bringing in some, some credible guys, Danny Duggan, Mentalo, uh, myself, I guess, to, uh, to help work with the crew. But there was this one guy named Junior, and uh, he's no longer in the business, but he, uh, he was not he was not trained. He didn't know the fundamentals. He didn't know like, like Rudy was talking about the footwork and he didn't have the cardio and he didn't have the basic fundamentals that one would need uh, to, to compete. And um, it becomes, you know, we, we talk about the basics and the fundamentals and, and Tony talks about, you know, trying not to get hurt. Um, it becomes even more real when the guys, uh, let's say Tony or myself, uh, I, I make a living off pro wrestling. So, if I'm in the ring with somebody and the potential is there to get hurt, um, if I get hurt, that means I'm not wrestling or I'm not able to get into the training center and work out and, and, and keep, you know, that living alive. So it becomes even more important that you're working with guys or that guys have the fundamentals. Uh, it's, it's one thing to do it when you're a weekend warrior or you're doing these things once a month to, if, as a hobby is, uh, for fun. And that's completely fine. But when you're somebody that's making a living at this, an injury ruins everything. There's no generally no contingency plan, you know. Exactly, exactly. And that's that's the bad thing about about what we do now is there's some guys that are hobbyists that do it on the week the weekend warrior guys, and there's some guys that are legitimately like, you know, this is my business, this is my life, this is how I put food on the table, this is how I pay my bills. And the mentality of both guys are are a lot of times are completely different. The weekend warrior guys are like, you know what? I don't give a shit. I don't care about this. I, don't, I got my, I got a real job, you know? And, um, you know, my, my, my train of, of thought is um, both guys have to have close, not saying exactly the same, but close to the same mentality. Even though you may do this on the weekends, you still got to, you know, there's still the one, one step the wrong way and a guy can be severely injured. You know that type of stuff. Okay, Raven, have you found yourself in that situation ever, where you've been in with somebody who's like, "My goodness, this is going to go really yeah. wrong if I'm not careful." I have a a few times. Um, that's part of the reason when I had to retire because of the all of the concussions and stuff. I was dropped on my head from a little bit of a height. I mean, I. Yes, I could have tucked a little more, but she had me so tight around the neck when we came back. It was just straight. I was drove right in. I had no room for myself to be able to, to even protect myself at that moment. And that's part of the reason, like these guys were saying, it's why it's so important to be trained because, I mean, if it was just a little further, I mean, who knows what really could have happened, right? I mean, mm -hmm. the concussion at that point, I, I had six months of speech therapy. I had to learn to retie my shoes, you know, like it gets serious. It, it can seriously end a career and really fast. It just takes out split second. Now, I, I, you know, I've been very careful and I'm not, I'm not going to uh, name things, but I did one time get invited to a promotion to check out this new promotion in their shows. And uh, I went inside and they had their ring set up and they had an incredible amount. This was their first show. The entire place was packed. And I was like, wow, you know, because th there was a regular touring company that went through there that could, ba could barely fill half of that. And so I was thinking, wow, this is going to be something, right? So all these people are cheering, going nuts, and uh, the matches start. And I can't help but notice that there's two guys in the ring, and nobody's really wrestling. They, I mean, 
you know, I've been around wrestling now for 20 some years and I've watched and seen so many matches and I could tell you two minutes in that I didn't believe these guys were wrestlers because nobody was doing anything that was remotely athletic or wrestling. There was a lot of prancing, a lot of stage acting. I mean, I might as well have went to a Shakespeare play. It was, it was some kind of weird drama going on. And then, it, you know, everything about it, I looked down, nobody's wearing boots. That's my very, <laughs> if you go to a show and, and wrestlers can't even be wearing uh, wrestling boots, that's a, a sign that <laughs> you might not really be at a real wrestling match here. And uh, nobody ran the ropes once. I mean, what? So even as a fan, I could tell that there was a lot lacking for what right. was being presented. And as a fan, I was very insulted by this because I realized that all these people in the crowd were probably all of their friends and family who came to watch the show because it wasn't a wrestling matches, it was show. Now we have found that this is not an uncommon thing. There are a lot of wrestling schools, and I'm gonna say this, of all the schools I've seen, I'm not kidding. You can go to any Canadian city and there's at least five wrestling schools available if you look around. And most of them have nobody you've never heard about, trained by people who's never you've never heard about, who will never go anywhere. Yet they'll put on shows once a month and the people who sell tickets or pay the most tuition will be in the main events. I'm not sure how that works. Now, what do you guys think of this idea of the over-proliferation of shoddy schools? I mean, this is obviously a problem. Andy, you must, in Edmonton, I can probably, in itself, in your city alone, can name you at least five companies that have training schools. And you really? Sure. Yes, in there Edmonton? really are that many, yeah. <laughs> wow. I think I can, like, maybe, let's see. Yeah, remember, they're fly-by-nights. Probably some of them have gone under, and probably some no, of you That's fair enough, too. fair enough. <laughs> um, I, I think it's just the way, the way, and, you know, I talk about this pretty much every episode that I'm on here, just about the evolution of the business, the evolution of society, how things have changed. Uh, you know, we can go back. I can I pretty much speak to all of us. I think, AJ, I mean, with 2002, you're kind of at a different point there. But as far as, like, Tony and, and Rudy and, and Raven, I mean, you know, back in our day, there wasn't, you know, because there wasn't a lot of wrestling schools because things were still so much more tighter, so much more protected. And now with everything being exposed and, and with the internet and easy access to stuff, you know, it's, and without a lot of real regulation or, um, you know, again, I, I'll use Tony as an example because when he was talking about Portland and, you know, and, and with uh, like Billy Jack Haynes and, and those guys, I mean, you had those established, respected veterans, I think, that could kind of, I, I want to say police kind of what was going on for, for lack of a better term, um, yep. you know, and you can make sure that you, that not just anybody was getting into the business, not just anybody was opening up a school. Nowadays, it, it's... You know, unfortunately, I think it's, it's quantity, quantity over quality, and it seems like anybody just wants to say, "Okay, well, I've got a ring, or I've got some mats. You know, I've got a, a warehouse to put up a ring. Okay, we're gonna have a wrestling school," and without any really way to kind of control that, protect that, police that, uh, you know, for every good one that you're gonna, you know, for every one that you'll get, that's Rudy Boy Gonzalez or Tony Kazina and the, the Dali Fojo, uh, you're gonna get eight or nine, you know, kind of crappy ones that like you said are going to be fly by night they're going to be here one day and gone the next yep there was uh one time i was uh 
when I was younger, back in my day, when I was younger, in the afternoon, I would train with um, Ken Timms and Eric Embry and some of the guys that didn't show up, you know, around 10 o'clock in the morning, get in the ring, we'd roll around a little bit, and then go home, shower, and then do the town. And I remember we were in, uh, I don't know, some town in Texas, and I was standing next to Ken Timms, who I had just trained with that morning, and some guy, you know, decent-looking guy. I mean, he looked like he worked out a little bit. He, uh, he came walking up and goes, hey, hey, buddy. He's like, um, where can I learn to be a wrestler at? And Ken Tim looked at him and goes, you want to be a wrestler? He goes, yeah. Ken Tim goes, um, I don't know. And I looked at Ken like, we just, worked, <laughs> we just worked out this morning. What do you mean you don't know? You're my trainer. And uh, the guy's like, there ain't no place in, in Texas – where I can train at, and Ken's like, I have no idea, buddy. I really don't. And he just looked the other direction, you know, just, you know, started watching the other matches that were going on. And uh, later on, I asked Ken, Dad, why did you tell a guy to show up to, to the, you know, to, to the junction, you know, tomorrow morning or something? He's like, why? I was like, uh, I don't know, to see what he can do. He said, um, Rudy, if that guy starts training with us and he starts doing matches – He's gonna take your job, or he could take my job, <laughs> yeah. or he could take you know he could take someone. He could take one of our jobs. Why do I want to do that? WPOB Global fans, this is the gentleman Elio Canella reminding you to tune into WPOB Global, where we will once again scan the globe for the best in professional wrestling. WPOB Global, don't you dare miss it. What I'd like to have right now is for all you quarantined, social media using, YouTube commenting, keyboard warriors to keep the noise down. While, While I, show I show you who brings, brings the best, best in wrestling podcasts, hit up the music. So then the follow-up question I'd have from that, Rudy, is in that day and age, and when, when, uh, how did people then come in to become wrestlers uh, in your so, time? So the way I understood it was, um, and, and from what I saw, was the only way you got into pro wrestling was if you knew somebody or you're, you were related to somebody. <laughs> and um, so my connection was my high school football coach was good friends with Joe Blanchard. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, and uh, so I and I didn't. I come home from school from college, and um, I didn't have a place to train or anything like that. We didn't, you know, back back then in nineteen you know eighty whatever, there wasn't like twenty five gold gyms all over San Antonio and Planet Fitness. Or there was like three or four big gyms, and they're like fifty bucks each a month or whatever. My parents weren't going to pay that. So my high school football coach said, "I have a friend." who's going to start a wrestling school and he'll, I'm sure he'll let you train there for a couple of weeks. Um, and he won't charge you. He'll tell him that you, you played football for me. He's a, all the, a lot of the guys that, that wrestle for him, um, uh, used to be football players. He's a, and he said, I'm not telling you to become a pro wrestler. I'm telling you to go in there. <laughs> I'm telling you to go in there and train and get, 
keep stay in shape of some you know some somehow. I was all right. So um, back then we had Bruiser Brody who played for the Redskins. There was Ivan Pusky who played semi-pro football here in San Antonio. There was uh, Tito Santana and Telly who played at West Texas State. Manny Fernandez played at West Texas State. Um, the Funks were here. I mean, there was a bunch of guys that were football players that uh, that were in the territory at the time. And so I went, and at first when I walked in the office, the lady at the, at the front desk was like, you know, can I help you? And I said, yeah, I'm here to see Joe Blanchard. And she was like, for what? She said, what are you here for? I said, uh, about training uh, to be, a re- you know, with the wrestling guys. And she said, well, he's not here right now. It was a Saturday morning. She goes, he's not here right now, so leave your name and number and someone will call you back. And uh, I said, okay. And so I was, as, uh, she gave me a notepad, and I was writing my name and phone number. She said, uh, who sent you here? And uh, I said, uh, Joe, you know, George Pasterchek. And then I hear in the other office, how's George doing? And – I was like, uh, who the heck is that? And uh, so I kind of, you know, said kind of loudly, he's doing fine. And he said, uh, come on back here. So I go back to his office. Her name was Charlotte. She goes, go down, you know, take a right here and go through that doorway and whatever. So I go in his office and he's sitting there with his feet up on the desk. And uh, he's like, what's your name, son? And I said, Rudy Gonzalez. And he said, uh, you played football for or Big George? I said, yeah. He goes, good. He goes, how's he doing? I said, he's doing great. I just saw him a couple of days ago. And so that was my connection. So I told him what the situation was. He said, all right. He goes, I was only supposed to be training there for two weeks. This was uh, for my Christmas break. So I was supposed to go back to school on a Sunday. On Wednesday, he sent a guy to, to where we're training at. Uh, to come in there and ask if I could help set the ring up the next night um, to make some extra money. And so I said, yes, and I did. And I um, never went back to school. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> exactly. I mean, and, 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 and I was supposed to go back, and I never did. So that Monday, I went in the office and uh, he was, and he was there, and, and uh, he's like, "What are you doing here?" I thought you were supposed to be in school. I thought you were supposed to be going back to school already. And I said, um, "I want to learn the wrestling business." And and um, Joe Blanchard chewed me out for what seemed like eternity. Um, you know, he told me, and he didn't lie to me. He told me, "You're never gonna make no money. You're gonna, you're not gonna have a stable relationship. You're gonna struggle." You're going to sleep in your car. You're going to starve. You're going to, you know, gave me this whole doom and gloom of pro wrestling. And, and, he, and to be honest with you, he was right. <laughs> but, there, <laughs> but there were also some positives that came out of it also. And he asked me, is that what you want? I said, um, uh, yeah, you know. He said, all right. So he, he threw a pair of keys at me. And, uh, I mean, not, not to hit hurt me or anything. He just tossed a set of keys at me to go start, mop, go start mopping up. And that was my first official – job was mopping up the arena where we did our tv show at (laughs) okay uh tony i have a weird question for you okay yeah uh down at the folly dojo you bring in wrestlers uh come in uh the dream of course is that they uh graduate from there to new japan um now do you host wrestling regular wrestling shows with your students like for the for the public no no um 
no. Okay. That's not, that's not our function. Our, our, uh, and, you know, we take people with no, our, the, the two guys that have managed to get into this uh, intake that just started today was the first day, uh, despite the COVID. Um, they've had no wrestling experience, you know, other rugby and other sports experience, but no uh, pro wrestling experience, which actually is better because it's less bad habits that they might have that they have to unlearn. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, our whole, our whole focus is to get them ready and hopefully, uh, you know, they'll get accepted into the uh, dojo in New Japan. Okay. Now, the, the reason I asked that question is I've noticed this practice in a lot of wrestling companies these days where um, students are being brought in. Uh, they're usually attached to a promotion. The promotion will run a monthly show. Uh, sometimes they'll have some of the students wrestle on the show. However, I notice some of the less credible uh, companies and things have so much of it doesn't matter how good of a wrestler you are or how trained you are. If you sell, I don't know, 50 tickets, you're going to be on near the top of the card. Despite the fact you may be the crappiest wrestler in the entire bunch. I find that a very strange and odd practice. Is there anyone who wants to weigh in on, on that idea? First of all, does anyone think that's a good idea? And I can get why economically it might be, but is that a good idea? Anyone want to weigh in on that? That's, that's like saying, um, you're going to be the chief heart surgeon of our hospital because you have a bunch of obese and fat friends and that are going to have heart attacks. So you're going to bring us business. So, you know, that, that's a, well, you got to feed that, those uh, friends. You got to be part of making them fat, right? I, I've seen, we, we do, we do the, um, the monthly shows like you described. Yeah. Uh, the bottom part of the card are students, the ones that are, uh, uh, if they're able to, that are able to put together matches and and do all that other stuff, whatever. Um, and and then the, the the last three four matches are more experienced guys. But I don't make I don't you know Joe Blanchard never told me I try and run my my stuff the way I was taught. And uh, Joe Blanchard never told me, hey Rudy, if you sell you know fifty tickets, I'm gonna put you in the first match. You know that was never that's the promoter's job to sell tickets. Um, you you know you can have your students. That, you know I do have a couple of students that are local guys, and they do bring in a crowd, but they're not on the shows because they bring in their crowd. They they they're on the show because they can actually work and they actually contribute to the show. Okay, excellent. AJ, you must have come across this somewhere. You've seen this sort of system. I know a lot of places in Canada use this. Uh, what do you think of that idea of the more tickets you sell, the higher in the card you're going to get? Um, well, obviously, I, I mean, I don't agree, but at the end of the day, it's called the pro wrestling business, and it's about making money. Um, I don't agree with the idea that you're putting somebody who's not ready in the ring mm-hmm. on the card, pushing them up the card based on the fact that they sell tickets. Um, mm-hmm. The way we kind of work things here uh, out in Winnipeg, Central, Central Canada here is uh, these guys train until they're ready, mm-hmm. um, and then we make sure with Canadian wrestling's elite that they're debuting on our show so that, you know, the anticipation of all that training, that year long training that they've done, uh, which, you know, when they first start, they're going to sell tickets um, and they're going to be able to push their family. Uh, We hope that that anticipation, you know, then pays off and, and we're drawing, you know, every time a a new kid debuts, you know, we get a good, 
couple months out of them for sure, where friends and family is all fresh to them and they all want to support and, and whatnot. So, um, it's a business and we're here to make money. And, uh, but I, I just, I, I don't agree with the idea that somebody's pushed up the card based on that. Um, mm-hmm. but first and foremost, they need to, they need to be ready, uh, and, and try tested and true essentially before actually stepping foot on shows. Okay. Well, you guys did bring up one really interesting thing. There is, it is a business and, uh, I'm not a big fan of that, but in some ways I kind of see why it could happen. I mean, when you think about it, and I, I don't want to be sound insulting here, okay, but think of the big names in wrestling. Uh, they're up at the top of the card because people come to see The Rock. People pay more money to see The Rock. More people come to see him. So that's why he's in the main event. When Hulk Hogan came into AWA, people came to see him because he was, they were who they were paying tickets for. And maybe he wasn't the greatest wrestler. And I'm sure Vern Gagne, if he was alive today, would tell you he was the worst wrestler he had in his company. But the guy sold tickets. So that's why he made the main events. So I guess I can see it. But I also, it just seems to be becoming such a, a practice that I find kind of distasteful. And I was just curious about what some people had thought about it. Um, the, Rock, the Rock sold tickets mm-hmm. um, and Hogan sold tickets. They didn't go out into the street. Yeah, they didn't have to do this. Exactly. You know? Exactly. I would have bought a ticket like from that. The Rock. No, yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, they also sold tickets and people wanted to come see them because they had been in the business for how long. They honed their craft by that point, And by then, they were respected enough by the promoters that they had those top spots. And people were buying tickets because of that reason. I mean, okay. if you have the young guys that, you know, like – like you all are saying, you bring them in, they just finish their training. Of course, you're going to get a couple of months out of there, but mm-hmm. stop and take a step back and think these are these young guys that are just coming in. You're putting them on shows or selling all these tickets, but who are they working and how big is the um, opportunity is not the word I'm looking for, but the, that it could happen that these guys are going to hurt some of your top guys that are in there that are actually making you the money in the right. long run. Right. Well, I see. If, if your business model revolves around using young, fresh talent or trainees or guys fresh out of school to sell tickets and make money, well, then you're probably in the wrong business. You know what I mean? It, it, you're not really a promoter if that's if that's your business model. Yep. You know what I mean? It's great and it pumps blood and life into the company, but if that's your business model, then you you probably shouldn't be doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. It's it's kind of it's 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 like again it's I'm, I'm I think it was gonna be the society and wrestling guy it just you know the evolution and stuff that to me that's such a short term look at things it's just okay the next show we gotta sell you know so and so is gonna sell tickets okay you'll be on the you'll be on the show well what if you don't sell tickets for the next month well you're not on the show well how is that even like building anything story wise business wise promotion wise all it is is just quick little hits and quick little fixes month to month to month. True. Right. True. Now, one of the biggest things in, we want to talk about the evolution of uh, wrestling. Uh, one of the biggest things we could look at is there was a time when places like ECW came up uh, where you had these uh, total non-trained guys mixing this super hardcore uh, thing. First of all, does anyone really train people for this? Like, is there is there training? Is, have you guys been involved in any training where okay today we're using chairs, tomorrow we're using thumbtacks, and let's throw today barbed is, wire next week? Today's table day, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, take your bonus check and buy two tables at uh, the hardware store. And no, uh, 
What do you guys think of this sort of wrestling? Is this, you know, I'm just throwing this in there because this is a whole genre of wrestling that I know me and Elio, we disparage it quite a bit because there's just nothing cool about this continuous weapon type. It doesn't really seem like wrestling to me. And I want to think what you guys think. Guys who've been trained and involved in training. Raven, tomorrow is going to be a big thumbtack bob wire match. Are you all excited? Is this something you want to see? Absolutely not. Because that's it's for me personally, it's not my cup of tea. I'm not into the hardcore and the mm -hmm. extreme. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, in the early 90s, I did a couple of stupid matches, and I look back on them, they were fun, they're good. Yeah, good. I did you know cage matches and you know that kind mm -hmm. of stuff, but I don't know, I'm just not a fan of it. I'm just not a fan of it at all. And I've seen okay. it, I mean, I've gone, I've watched, I went. Was it January this year before all this stuff started and ECCW before it completely, before that all happened, um, they had a six women's TLC match and oh. I tried to sit and watch it as a worker and, you know, scoping it and stuff. Obviously my girls were in there, but I kind of find myself going real fast from being a worker and trying to critique and, you know, watch the match to being just scared to death, especially after Eliza smacked the back of her head off the bottom rung of the ladder taking a freaking power bomb but i'm not a fan not a fan. okay all right uh <laughs> uh what do you aj i know you've been involved in tough matches but what about this concept of the straight up hardcore continuous nightly guys doing this sort of thing uh i mean i believe that there's a place for it i think there's a an audience that that enjoys it whether it's a niche audience or not mm -hmm. um i think at the end of the day if done if done correctly, if booked correctly, obviously gimmick matches and stuff like this, uh, you know, can be very, very uh, valuable to a show. And um, at the end of the day, it just, I think the, the main thing is that everything's built up properly and it's, it's done uh, in a fashion that makes sense. Um, just throwing, <laughs> just throwing six hardcore matches onto a show. Uh, I don't think makes sense. Uh, but I think anything in wrestling can be done properly and, and correctly if it all, if it all makes sense. Okay. Right. Andy, hardcore matches, man. Basically, like what AJ said, there's a time and place when, you know, when done properly. Um, but how yeah, do you do I, it properly? Like, who trains you? Like, okay, today, Andy, we're going to throw our faces into barbed wire today. Let's see. we got to practice for tonight's show. Okay, when I say when I say done <laughs> properly, I just mean like it's, it's placed properly. But you know yes. what? But that's, and, and that's the thing, though. With, with things with, with, you know, with the hardcore style, um, and I think that that's part of it. And that's why it, it doesn't need to be or shouldn't be done all the time is because it, there's, I don't know if you want to say there's so much more realism to it, or there's just, it's like you said, I mean, you know, if you're going to use barbed wire, you're going to use chairs, you're going to use table, whatever your pick your poison, but there's, you know, what you're looking to do is try to make it look as real as possible without hurting yourself, hurting your opponent. And then the next best thing is, okay, well, we can't completely do that. Then I think it's like, well, let's, let's try to minimize you know, the amount of damage done. I mean, and there's, a, there's a lot of guys, girls, you know, whoever that if they kind of get off on it and they think, okay, well, I'm a badass because I can take all this punishment and I get, you know, get all this crap done to me. Where's the talent in that, though? Yes, that's what I was, you know, kind of... I mean, what having are, those, what are, can, I, can I just say having yes. those matches like every night and having it like an all-the-time thing, Mm -hmm. to me personally is a waste 
mean, mm-hmm. you need to build up to something like that. You know, it, that's how you get your storylines. You build it up to something big. And then when they see something as extreme and crazy as that kind of shit, then it actually means something. Well, you if know, you're going to put your body through that shit, it needs to mean something. Well, I'm, I'm the it used to be, it, it used to be that those type of matches were done like once every now and then to end, to end some type of program or something. Yeah. 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 And blow off. You know, they weren't, they weren't done every night and they were done, you know, working with, when I was, when I was wrestling was hardcore wrestling uh, because of the sheep herders, but they didn't, I mean, they beat the heck out of guys, you know what I'm saying? But it was all a work. Uh, it was all, <laughs> you know, yeah. Okay. but now, you know, I you see guys like, you know, and I love them to death, but Masada sticking skewers mm-hmm. in guys' foreheads and I'm like, how the how do you do that? And and some guy just said, "Man, you just got to stick them in." <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> you know, there's no forward when, when, exercise I can do to get ready for that. No, I mean, there's no way. <laughs> there's 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 no way to prepare for that stuff because it's not. It's it's not real. It's not yeah. it's not it is real, but it's it's not real as in wrestling real. It's mm-hmm. it's uh you know there's no there's no place for it and. I feel like the guys resort to that stuff simply because they don't want to put the time in to build up that storyline, to build up that program, to build up that angle, to build up that interest, to to go into a a, a, a fight where me and so and so, you know, we've been going at it for months and months, and finally I've had it with this guy, and I'm gonna get him in a cage, and I'm gonna rub his face all over the fence and I'm going to tear his face off and, ah, you know, that type of stuff. Yeah. Now, guys want to do it next week. You know. Opening match. Yeah, for, <laughs> for no reason. Just uh, Rudy Gonzalez against, you know, this guy uh, in a cage match. Uh, you know, light tubes and table and chairs. You're like, why? What did this guy do that was so bad that he pissed me off so much or I pissed him off so much that we we're going to go to this extreme to kill each other, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the guys actually do that shit. The, you know, the scars and stuff that you see on Brody and you see on Abdullah and their foreheads, yeah, they're all tattooed and stuff, but uh, I didn't do it to Brody. He did it to himself. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So I the guess... same thing with Abby. They, they mm-hmm. didn't, nobody did that to them. They did it to themselves. Um, now you see guys with light tubes and they want to bust a light tube into the guys and dig it into the guy's forehead. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? What if that gets infected? Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I guess I brought that up because I wasn't just saying, uh, to, to clarify, I wasn't just saying as a one-time thing. Um, last year, a lot on Global, one of uh, our targets of derision a lot was Jimmy Havoc. Because it seemed like every single week he was fighting a new guy, bringing out a staple gun, doing all this stuff. For nobody even even knows these guys, but he's bringing this – terrible hardcore thing and it just seemed to me that it it seemed that he was because he was a lack of being a good wrestler at all that that's all he could do was all this shocking sort of stuff because the guy couldn't really wrestle like okay so on that end like masada i trained him Mm -hmm. masada's a very good worker he's a very good wrestler Mm -hmm. he's very technical he knows all the ins and outs um but he does that hardcore stuff and i think it's because one it pays well but two um, it's it's the gratification right away that he gets the pop and all that stuff. The mm-hmm. the fans, you know, screaming and hollering. 
he gets that right away as in as opposed to the buildup of weeks and weeks and weeks and or, or, or months or whatever. You get it right. Oh, icing in there and you get the ooh when you when you a dollar bill to a guy's forehead or something, you know. Um again, back to Brody and Abdullah, I never saw them do that. And those guys are notoriously as or um you know, uh, or guys like that, or Dr. Death, Steve Williams, or no, those guys there, but they're notoriously known as tough guys. Stan Hansen never stapled anything to a guy's tongue or, mm-hmm. or you know, they never did stuff like that, but they're notoriously known as bad SOBs, you know? Right. Well, you know what? It's funny. I, I just, uh, just a quick hands. Who watched the AEW um, pay-per-view this weekend? Did, did anyone watch this? I, we mentioned the Matt Hardy thing. Um, there was a spot in there that I thought was the most ridiculous thing. I mean, some people may think it's cool, but I didn't understand it because you didn't see it, but the wrestler got himself hurt without the payoff of you seeing it to feel for it. And, that, and it was during this big battle royal. Darby Allen is wrestling. Uh, somebody brings out a body bag, fills it full of tacks, puts him in it and then throws him over the top rope onto the cement with him in the tax inside this body bag. Yet they don't show you really anything else of what he looked like or anything. So to me, it seemed like a kind of a waste of a thing to do if there's absolutely no payoff for it. Right. And, and I just, I, I couldn't understand why anyone would bother with that sort of thing. If you don't even get to see the guy at all bleed and not saying I'm sick or anything, but why would you put yourself in with a bunch of tacks if no one even gets to see you? I would hope that I would hope that that was somehow gimmicked. I would hope so, but I don't think it was. (laughs) Then that's on him. You know, like uh, Darby Allen seems to be doing a lot of that besides wrestling, a a lot of these ridiculous, painful things for no reason, but each his own, I guess. I guess I brought this up because I wanted to ask you guys, does it, is it still out there? The, the, The backyard wrestler? The people who have absolutely no training that just do these kind of, you know, uh, unprofessional shows and then try and step into uh, the wrestling rings in regular companies. Does that still exist? I know it was a problem at least, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Do you guys think that exists today? Is that still out there? I think I think the backyard wrestlers have just come inside now. And they're still this. out there. Okay. <laughs> you know, they're still out there. They just... They just put the ring inside a building now and instead of their backyard and and they feel that gives them credibility. But um, uh, I get I don't know who I guess but Cornette calls them mud shows. A mud show is still a mud show no matter you know, a pig is still a pig no matter how much lipstick you put on it. Mm-hmm. You know. Um I just think they've just you know, they're still the backyard guys, but they've gotten smart now and they've rented buildings and they moved it inside, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, obviously what we've been talking about here is the importance of, um, of being trained, okay? And uh, just before we wrap it up, I'm going to ask each one of you, why is it important to be trained before getting into the ring? And I'm going to go along my, as I see on my screen, so I'm going to start with Andy. Andy, why is it important, or is it, to be trained before you get into a wrestling ring? <laughs> What's the importance of this in your heart? Uh, in my heart, as as both a wrestling fan and and someone who's been in you know been involved in the business for twenty some odd years, uh, to, I, look, 
we all know it's a show. We all know it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm never one that's going to say fake. I mean, we know it's predetermined. We know it's a show, whatever you want to say. But if you truly love this business, if you truly respect this business and you respect yourself, you respect those that are in the business now, those that have come before you, you are going to, you should want to learn how to do it properly so that you can add to this business and you can make it either as good as or better and better than when, than when you leave it. And, um, you know, if, if you're just get if you just want to do it for, for kicks and, and giggles and I mean, you know, we, we, we're all aware of the weekend warriors and, you know, you know, Rudy alluded to it earlier. Um, you know, it, it's it's not it's. You think like weekend warrior for hockey. I mean, you know, most of us here are Canadians, so I mean, we could talk about the guys that play in the beer leagues and stuff. And it's such a different thing where you know you're on the ice, you're doing your thing, you're part of a team, but yet when you're in the ring and the the livelihood, the safety of someone else is literally in your hands, I would hope that that's something that you would take seriously enough. You know, if, if you're if you're not going to give enough shit about the business and whatever, then I would think that hopefully you'd have enough respect for someone's life that you would learn how to do things properly before you got in. Okay. Now, Raven, it uh, it took uh, it took a bit of an injury to take you out for good from wrestling. Uh, why is it important in your mind that wrestlers should be well trained before actually competing? Andy pretty much said it all. Mm -hmm. I really don't know how much more to add to that. Um, <clears throat> excuse me for me it's really important to be trained to be in there you know and I think the biggest thing I have to agree with with Andy there is if you don't have the passion and the drive and this isn't something that you've always wanted to do then you shouldn't be in there that's really how I feel I mean like like wrestling was my everything I know I was I I was uh, really young when I got in and I retired a lot sooner than I wanted to um, and I raised my girls in the wrestling business but wrestling was my everything like I loved it with my with everything that I had you know what I mean like it was my passion in life it was everything and because there was people that wasn't weren't properly trained and you know accidents happening and stuff it cost me my career and it you know it cost me the opportunity to be able to try and work with my daughters more to help train them and bring them more into the business properly um, when you're in that ring you are literally trusting somebody with your life with everything, with everything, it's your life, it's everything. If you're not trained, you don't belong in that ring. If you're gonna go to a school and you're gonna screw around, it's one of my biggest pet peeves when I'm at the school uh, with Vance and Kasaki and um, those guys on training nights and people aren't listening. They're too busy talking and having their own conversations. If you don't have that respect to be in there and to respect the people that have come before you and taken the time out of their life to teach you what they love the most, get the fuck out. You don't belong. Okay. Sorry, no. I know. No, no, <laughs> Andy's laughing at me down there in the corner. There's Raven in her mouth again. <laughs> now, uh, fans, yeah. we're, we're, uh, Tony's coming in from New Zealand, so his uh, Wi-Fi has not been the best. It's been crapping in and out of for him. But Tony, we're just kind of wrapping up right now, talking about why is it important to train for wrestling? Now, obviously, uh, as a trainer, you have a vested interest in this question, but uh, philosophically to you, why is it important that uh, there be training before you you step in that ring? Like good training, real training. 
Well, yeah, I mean, Raven hit the nail on the head with, uh, you got someone's life in your hands. Um, how can you do anything without proper training? Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, I mean, I, you know, basketball, hockey, whatever. I mean, that, that's just, I think the biggest uh, sin is uh, now that the toothpaste is out of the tube and they know it's a work. People think that means, you know, you, you, you throw the punch and stomp your foot and you can do the moves that you see. And that's what makes you a pro wrestler. And I see that on the national stage as, as well as the independence. And that's never been what it's about. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't, Jeez, uh, Louise, you know, why is it important to train? Because you don't know what this is. Because how can you know what this is? And you see it and you think, I know what this is. But it, man, it literally took me 15 years, 15 years to figure out what this is that we're doing. 15 years. Until the light bulb went on. Mm-hmm. So how, now how in the hell is someone going to come off the street or, or be doing, you know, the independence for five years or, or however and, you know. Um, I, I get it. I, I see what you're getting at, Tony. That that, that is a philosophy. It's there. not like it was when you work. Mm-hmm. You know, the guys learned back in the day because they worked every night, mm-hmm. and they and, and 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 they were able to. You know, you get a taste of that on the on the CWE tours tours of Canada that AJ talks about. You know, I love those because that's as close to a territory as you have in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. And uh, the crowds are different. Uh, the crowds might be smaller, but they're hotter. Some crowds like more gaga. Some crowds like a real physical style. Some crowds are going to cheer you if you're just a tight wrestler, even if you're a prick. And uh, and, and other towns, I don't have to go out there. And I'm like, we're not going to touch for five minutes because we're going to lose them if we touch. And you mm-hmm. might be thinking, what the hell? But, you know, Rudy and Raven and, and Andy, they'd understand what I mean because you've already got the crowd. Just go with it. They're, they're loving what you're doing, which at the moment doesn't have to be anything more than giving funny looks. And, uh, and that doesn't mean that it turns into a shit show. Mm-hmm. It means that that's <laughs> what this crowd's reacting to. Okay. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, you don't. But but aside from the CWE tours, you don't have that. I'm, I don't know if I'm getting off topic or what. But there's a lot to this, even though it's very simple. But you have to understand what this is that we're doing. Okay. Now, AJ, uh, you know, you talked about in the beginning of your career, it was a pretty tough start for you, uh, having minimal training, having poor training, and then being thrust in into that world. Uh, what has that given you the perspective of what training means and what it should mean? Yeah, so like I said earlier, it probably took me five or six years to learn what I could have learned in the first year, just, uh, you know, being in the ring with a, a credible trainer. So, you know, that doesn't fall on me. Uh, that falls on the the pro wrestling business, I guess, in, in Canada here or wherever. Um, it's up to It's up to the trainers. It's up to the companies to – take these young kids in and, and teach them properly. So at, at the age of 16, I didn't know what was right. I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew I wanted to wrestle. So I was going to try and do so by any means possible. So um, that's kind of why I got into the, the teaching aspect of things. Um, 
you know, I may not have the name value that a lot of people do, but having traveled the world and, and done this and worked with literally, uh, you know, the who's who, who's come through Canada and things like that. Um, pro wrestling training is extremely important because while in different parts of the world, things may be done a little bit differently. There's a, a fundamental basic that, that just has to be taught to everybody before getting into the ring. Uh, and, and my big thing is, is knowing the, the who, what, when, where, the why, and the how of what you're doing. Um, we've all said it, the, the little things in between the moves and, and uh, facials. And there, there's just so much more that goes into wrestling that, um, you know, somebody sets up a ring and watches a video on YouTube and just starts doing it. Anybody can do that. But knowing why you're doing what you're doing when to do it, where to do it, and so forth, uh, is what you're going to learn from a credible trainer. And, uh, you know, you're not going to, you just don't pick that up anywhere. So uh, that's why pro wrestling training is important. Um, it's like anything you do in life. If you're, you're aspiring to be a sports star, you play sports all through your life until you, you make it to the big leagues. Uh, if you're aspiring to be a doctor, you go through several years of schooling before you can be an official doctor. It sounds cliche, but that literally is the thing. So. Um, while we may be trained and, and ready to have our first match, like Tony said, it took him another 15 years before he really went, man, okay, I think I got this. Um, so, you know, it's a lot of on, on the demand or sorry, in the ring, uh, on the job learning, uh, despite having proper training. So, you know, it's wrestling's ever evolving. There's always something new to learn and, uh, just having that basic fundamental and that base. Uh, uh, you know, from, from the original training that you seek out is, is super important, but you're just going to constantly be learning and evolving. It just, it is what it is. But uh, like I said, it's just, it's important to have that base. Okay. And for, I think we're going to finish off with Rudy. Rudy, you know what? You're, you're one of the most credible trainers out there right now. And uh, people uh, look up to you and why do you think, and what is your heart of it? What is the heart for you for training? Like, obviously this is something you've really put a lot of time and energy into doing setting your school and training people. Why, why do you keep doing it? What, what's the importance of that? Um, <laughs> why? That's a great question. Um, I don't know. Um, I feel like, um, way back when I, I didn't belong in, uh, in the wrestling business guys took time out, like, like Ken Timms and Manny Fernandez and Chavo and those guys took time out, even if it was something like, you know, Hey kid, uh, you know, uh, slow down, you know, it's little things, but they were, like I said earlier, little things I learned are actually big, big things. Um, and so these guys took their time out to help me. And um, when they really didn't have to. Uh, and so I feel like, um, it's my responsibility to give back and, and help these guys. And now, I mean, uh, back, you know, back then it was your mouth shut and eyes and ears open. And now it's like, no one keeps their mouth shut, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so, um, it's a different world out there, but I still try and, you know, I'll message, I'll message guys that I see, they put, a match on on uh, on their Facebook or something, and I'll message somebody. Hey, uh, next time try doing this differently. And a lot of guys are like, "Hey, thanks a lot, Rudy. Thanks a lot, Coach. Whatever." And then I'll get every now and then I get some guys say, "You know, well, that's my style, and that's how I, you know, all right, uh, well, that's fine." Mm -hmm. um, I just feel like I have something to offer. I'm the first guy to say, "Man, I was never 
I was never a great worker. I was, you know, but I could work. Um, I never did all the dives and all the goofy stuff, but I could work. Um, I have no idea. Well, you know, uh, I was going to say, I have no idea why uh, Sean asked me to run, you know, run his school for him. But he told me he, he saw, you know, he had been watching me for years and years. And because we're both from the same town, we're both from San Antonio. And he respected what I did. He thought I was very technically sound. And he wanted me to bring that to his school. So even though there was Jose and there was another guy, Ken Johnson and stuff, my my forte, my uh, strong point was, you know, footwork and slowing down and timing and, you know, the little, little things, facial expression. And then when I went to the performance center last year and, and this year, William Regal harped on footwork, timing, facial expressions, you know, stuff, same, same stuff that I, you know, that I try and get across to guys. So I kind of like um, – reinforced you know i'm kind of like on the right track but you know it's not just the in-ring stuff it's the out of the ring stuff it's it's conditioning and 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 i'm not a bodybuilder guy but i I try and get across to the guys that this is a body business and you do have to look like that guy you know um i don't you know even though there's still kevin steens out there and stuff like that um and that's fine but you have to perform then let's move on to pushing all our social media stuff. And we're going to start off with uh, Raven, since you're at the top of my – oh, yes. Go ahead, Can Raven. I say what – like, we've said a lot about the schools and stuff, too, but yeah. I know that there's, like, a lot of um, – at least what you've told me, there's a lot of fans that just actually watch this, you know, and if they're looking to getting into wrestling or going to a school – Yes, I this is your test. Do your research wherever mm-hmm. you are. Do your research. Know who's running that school. How long has it been open? What kind of credentials do these guys have? Really so if do I'm, research. So if I met a guy in a Greyhound station at the bathroom and he said he was a wrestling trainer, I might actually want to look him up before I give him money. Mm. Well, yeah, just, 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 just throwing that out it, there. It depends <laughs> what kind of wrestling you're looking to do. If you're looking for guys in a bathroom, they're on a yeah, world. I don't know if I want that. I, I don't yeah, consider that apartment wrestling real wrestling. Uh, okay. No, it's not medical, at all. Friend. No but, customs. I, no I got to tell you, the beginning of there. the very first, like, what, like 12 years mm-hmm. ago when I first started doing shows and I started reaching out to other people, I used to get a whole bunch of these uh, friend requests and people who I thought were wrestlers until I, like, looked at what they were doing. And it was a lot of this um, apartment wrestling and custom stuff. And I'm like, this isn't wrestling. Uh, uh, no, I, I'm not here to promote porn. You got to go go on Pornhub or whatever that is you want to do. Uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> a whole another pro- show. I'll yeah, that's a whole show. different thing. And I don't, yeah, <laughs> that might be a topic so, down the road. Uh, it's like okay, so, wrestling, man. There's an audience. Uh, yeah, but I don't <laughs> think I like that audience. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're gonna we're gonna uh, wrap it up with uh, time for promos. Trying to to get your stuff out there, uh, Raven. What do you got to push this week? Social media, you got anything? It's it's always the same. You can find me on Facebook under Mm -hmm. Raven Lake. Uh, Twitter is rvnlake at Gmail. And I think my uh, Instagram is the same, rvnlake. Okay, and no customs, right? Like, okay, next. Um, (laughs) 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 Andy, (laughs) where she kills me. (laughs) Did somebody put Andy on mute? (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, do you, you're talking, none of us can hear you, man. We're, no, we're serious. You are not coming across. Okay, well, Andy figures out his microphone. AJ, you got anything that you want to uh, uh, get out all your social media, get out your training school stuff, whatever you want? Yes, so I am the Canadian Crusher, AJ Sanchez. You can find me on the Twitter machine, at Crusher AJ, on Facebook, uh, at AJ Sanchez LaRock. Uh, and I work with uh, Canadian Wrestling's Elite, Canada's only touring national brand here. Uh, we run shows all the way from or Quebec all the way to British Columbia. Um, you know, I, we, we, we run the, the Elite Wrestling Academy based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba. And, uh, yeah, if anybody's interested in merchandise, uh, just contact me through Facebook through Twitter. Um, I have shirts, pictures, all that fun stuff available. And if you're interested in, in central Canada and looking at uh, pro wrestling training or the potential uh, to take a, a journey into pro wrestling, hit us up at the elite wrestling Academy on Facebook. All the information is out there. CWE wrestling news page, uh, sorry, Facebook page. You can check that out and uh, stay up to date with uh, what we're doing, where we'll be and uh, all that fun stuff. Okay. Excellent. Tony. Currently, you are yeah. the uh, head trainer down at the uh, Foley Dojo in New Zealand. How do people yeah. who uh, want to try out for your dojo, uh, what exactly, what's the information on getting involved with you at all in training? Well, uh, you know, before I even say that, let me, let me uh, uh, say a little bit more, add to what AJ was saying. If you're in North America and mm -hmm. you're interested in wrestling or even a, a young wrestler, PWE is really the place you want to go because I was saying earlier about it's a it's it's a throwback to the old territory because you're working every night that's how you're going to learn that crowd you're going to have mm -hmm. to learn how to improv and you're going to get the opportunity night after night after night if you really want to learn wrestling that's where you want to go you're going to learn so much so quicker when AJ says it took him five and six years and I'm telling you it's to me 15 and all that you can learn it a lot more, a lot quicker being a month on the road. The light bulbs are going to come on, I guarantee it. Um, but in, as far as what I'm doing here, since I'm not in America and with CWE, I'm in uh, Auckland, New Zealand with uh, Fale Dojo, which is basically we're part of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And that's what we do is we gear up uh, young wrestlers that are interested in a career with New Japan Pro Wrestling. So um, www.faledojo.com. We have three month intake. Um, the next one is February of uh, 2021. We got February, June, and September. So we were supposed to have a big year this year, of course, with COVID. Uh, our big announcement with New Japan and other things that we had lined up. Everything's pushed back a year, it looks like. So, but, um, you know, you can take a look at our history, what we're doing, and uh, our, like I said, our affiliation with New Japan. Okay, excellent. Is there uh, any social media for yourself you want to throw out there, Tony? Oh, my goodness. Let's see. Well, it's uh, you go at PT Cuisina and then the number one. That's it, like Twitter and Instagram and all that, or just Tony Cuisina on uh, TikTok, Facebook, Periscope. What's all the other things? I can't remember. MySpace. But, uh, uh... Yeah, <laughs> but uh, you know, uh, looking at my Facebook page, you'll get a, a good look at what we do here, how we live. And I say, we live in paradise, we train like hell, and we eat like kings. And if you take a look at my Facebook page, we're barbecuing a lot, we're training to the point of exhaustion. And uh, New Zealand, uh, especially under the circumstances, I couldn't, 
I couldn't ask for a better place to be while Excellent. all this is going down. Excellent. Uh, Andy, are you, are, we got your mic sighted out? We still don't, man. You, we, we're not kidding you. None, we cannot hear you. It's got to be your microphone problem. <laughs> You're broken. Uh, might have to unplug it and just talk right in. Uh, okay, Rudy, you got some uh, social media stuff you want to throw out there? Uh, how do you, uh, people get to your school? Sure. Our Facebook page is, is uh, Texas Wrestling Academy, and our Instagram is Texas Wrestling Academy, uh, or you can just email me at Texas Wrestling Academy underscore SA, like San Antonio, at yahoo.com. Or you can message me through my Facebook, my own Facebook, Rudy Boy Gonzalez. Um, and I mean, you know, we, we, uh, if you're, if you're trying to get into wrestling and you want to learn all the flips and all the, all that stuff, this isn't the place for you. I mean, we, we start from the ground up. We do a lot of cardio. We do a lot of, a lot of the basics. And, uh, you know, that means headlock takeovers and, you know, hip tosses and, we don't do Canadian destroyer stuff like that. You know, I mean, we just, I just want to try and produce good, solid talent. Um, mm -hmm. And then all that other stuff will come later. But I mean, you can do all the tricks like, like earlier when I was at the gym, I'm at my house right now, uh, but I was at the gym and the background, I had one kid in the ring. He was wearing a, uh, like a beige shirt. The kid is unbelievably gifted. He can do anything. Except a headlock takeover, <laughs> except, the hip, ex, except the hip toss. Uh, I mean, his footwork is horrendous. He's just, you know, I mean, but he can he can dive, he can flip, he can he can uh, lay on his back and kip up to his feet and do a front flip. And I mean, he can do a whole lot of gymnastic stuff. But the sign every time I go to the to a show, the sign outside outside says wrestling. It doesn't say gymnastics. gymnastics. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Fair enough. So, yeah. So, I mean, if that's what you're looking at to get a good, solid foundation, hey, this is the place, you know, Texas Wrestling Academy is the place where, where you want to look into. And, like, uh, I think someone said earlier, do your background check on the, on the, on the trainers, on the schools. Mm -hmm. Who did they, you know, who did they, um, who have they produced, you know? How long have um, they been around? How long have they been around? Exactly. Excellent. All right. Andy. You hear me now? Yes, we can hear oh, you. My oh, hallelujah. I, honestly, I thought somehow you guys were all ribbing me. You know, we're going to do that now, next time, <laughs> now that we know better. But, uh, yeah, you did have that look like we were screwing with you, which we weren't. We weren't at all. <laughs> I went through everything. I'm looking. I'm like, no, not on mute, not on mute. I'm like, okay, how do they communicate that they're messing with me like this? Uh, Man. Now, before we throw your stuff out, you know, in this day of COVID, is it, is it easy to wrestle being uh, – you know, socially distant. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I'm not working right now. So, <laughs> okay. So, uh, Andy, give us your. Uh, okay, because I don't have much to plug. My, my my one kind of final thought, and I kind of hammering back to what AJ said, and I hope that my peers would agree with me. Wrestling, professional wrestling, is like a trade. So whether you're going to learn it in Texas with Rudy, if you're going to go to New Zealand and learn it with Tony, you're going to go to Winnipeg, learn it with AJ, or somehow you get uh, some custom stuff with Raven, whatever you got going on. What the fuck? <laughs> the, the fundamentals, the basics, the fundamentals and the basics, and it, it, to, Rudy, to what Rudy was just saying, the footwork, the headlocks, the takeovers, the holds, it's like being an electrician. You learn how to wire, you learn how to do all this stuff properly. If you go to New Zealand, you go to Texas, you go to Canada, 
there might be variations that might be a little bit different, but at its heart, the skills, the basics, the fundamentals are all the same. So just make sure that you get wired the right way and you'll learn how to do it properly. Excellent. There you go. Okay. So now can I plug my stuff? Because I only have yes. two things to plug. Uh, the Twitter machine, at Andy Anderson, PWA. And for Instagram, I'm that guy, TCB247. So that's the letters I-M-T-H-A-T-G-U-Y-T-C-B-247. Which when somebody said they didn't want to be that guy, I was going to be like, you can't. Andy <laughs> I'm Anderson already that guy. That guy. <laughs> Two, four, seven. <laughs> well, you know what? Usually at the end of the show, I always wrap up with some kind of little speech about it. But you know what? I have a whole bunch of experts here who really know much more about uh, this topic than I do. So I'm not really going to wrap anything up with that. I'm just going to say thank you for each and every one of you who uh, joined us today. You guys were all insightful. You guys all had some really interesting things to say. And I found this a really a fun a fun program. Um, and just if this is your first time listening to the show, we tease Raven a lot. She is not any kind of custom wrestler <laughs> no, or any no, of that garbage. No, no. It's all just no, no. fun stuff. So, um, but uh, coming up fans, we, uh, I've actually did my homework a lot longer this time and I've set what's coming up on the upcoming episodes. Next week, we're going to do an episode about gimmicks. Wrestlers who rely just on gimmicks. They weren't much of wrestlers, but they sure could put on a show because they had that gimmick. Uh, the week after that, we're going to do the tough guys. And we're talking about the real tough guys, not the guys who pretended to be tough, but the legendary tough guys in wrestling. The week after that, we're going to be doing an episode about high flyers. Then after that, we're going to do some of the greatest rivalries in wrestling history. Followed by our last one we're going to do is families in wrestling where we're going to talk about some of the very famous families in the history of wrestling. We're going to get Hearts, Von Erichs, Guerreros, you name it. We're going to talk about some of the big, and we're going to have some uh, favorite matches and things. Who knows? We'll, we'll tune in and you'll see. We want to thank you all, and uh, we'll see you guys next week on WPOV Global. And as uh, just like, because we got to hear his voice once, Elio, say goodnight to the good people. And fans who talk to you all next week. Thank you.